Hello and welcome Hollywood Chop Shop. Hosts, we are Brett Mosher and Travis Santana. Today we'll be review part three of our political theater trilogy with 2006 Idiocracy. We'll jump into five-point inspection with language barrier slash commentary? Budgetary constraints, isn't it ironic? Corporate synergy and stand-up. But before we do, let's check in on the shop. Hey, amigo, uh, I checked our account online and the deposit still hasn't hit. Uh, when did you say you dropped the cash off? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, my bad, bro. I, I was I was totes going to tell you. Tell me what? Uh, yeah, our interest rate is shit. The, the bank is screwing us over. I figured it'd be better to invest the money. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Invest in what? Bro, get ready for your mind to be blown. Dropped our cash into crypto. Crypto? Jesus! Don't you watch the nose? Crypto is tanking. FTX literally filed for bankruptcy this week. Uh, dude, just uh, chill out. That, that, that's why it's prime time for investing. You know, buy low, sell high, right? What in the hell are you talking about? You just flushed 10 grand of our money down the toilet. Where the water is? Bro, bro, relax. I've got it on good authority that crypto, it's in for a serious rebound. Oh yeah? Who told you? Bro, I, I saw Matt Damon in a commercial. He said, fortune favors the bold. And uh, there was like Alexander the Great in the background, or it could have been Julian Caesar. I cannot believe this. How can you be so financially irresponsible with the shop's money? Do they have customer support line? I, I gotta call and see if I can withdraw. Uh, see, there there you go with that talk. Look, man, you can either lead, follow, or... Uh... Just shut up. I'm getting our money back. But first, let's discuss idiocracy. In the year 2005, the military's most average soldier and a prostitute in good health are handpicked to test a hibernation program for one year that turns into 500. When they awaken in the year 2505, they're surprised to learn that they're the smartest humans on Earth after generations of only stupid people breeding. Now, knowing humanity's fate, the two search for a time machine to correct the errors of the past and get the higher end of the bell curve procreating. Alrighty, Travis. We'll jump into five-point inspection, but you know I gotta know. What is your quick diagnostic of 2006's Idiocracy? Um, as we discussed off-air, I had not seen this movie. I feel like it's a little bit of a cult classic. Uh, maybe not to the level of, like, Office Space, which was another Mike Judge movie. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I liked this movie. Um, but I think for me, it kind of, it's going to land in the footloose zone where <laughs> I, I, I love the pieces of this movie. I, I thought it as a cop, as a pure comedy, I, I chuckled. I won't say that I laughed out loud and, and maybe that's a don't look up problem because some of the stuff in this movie, I'm just like, oh, hey, that's our reality. Uh, I thought this movie had a chance to do a little bit more. And the, as I watched the movie, I realized 
they're they're running out of of runway here. They don't they don't know how to end this movie. I don't know if they weren't brave enough to try to make an actual better movie. You know, if they just focused on the the comedic element, which is uh, I'll get into that more in stand up. But as much as I like this movie, I thought it was solid. I thought it had a chance to be great, and it just it didn't want to take that chance for whatever reason. What about Travis, you? It's amazing how often our notes wind up kind of aligning with some of this stuff. Um, I also had don't look up in my notes, I think for different reasons. Um, we'll just go ahead and, and jump into five points because uh, I'll start with isn't it ironic? So I think what my biggest problem with this movie uh, was that it's too dumb to be smart and too smart to be dumb. And when I say that, I think it is very strange the genre choices they decided to make with the satire about humanity and kind of the dumbing of humanity by going almost full slapstick in terms of the jokes. And it's just one of those things where I just think it again, the the choice of we're going to I can't tell who the intended audience for this movie is, because to me, it's supposed to be almost highbrow like the whole opening is about like hey smart people stop overthinking it you've got to have kids into the gene pool because guess what the people who are you're claiming are dumb don't care about that and they're just procreating and they're gonna outnumber you but then we don't really go too far into that and then if that's what your your audience you're trying to talk to those people Almost the entire movie is just slapstick college humor. And I'm not saying it's not funny. I laughed at moments. Um, but I'm just saying it's a very strange choice. You're going to go with a very highbrow theme and then tank it with nothing but toilet humor. And I just, I still have a hard time trying to figure out. It's almost like the Dave Chappelle thing. Like if you were going to make these, like people are laughing at it for the wrong reason. But the, you wrote the movie to be laughed at for the wrong reason. Um, and I guess that's that's where I stand. It is a, a footloose thing where I'm like, I like where they were going and a lot of some of the messaging they went with this. But again, it goes back to that don't look up where it's like, choose the satire you want to go with because the movie's only an hour and a half and I feel like they try and take too many pop shots at too many things to really focus on one subject and really like hone in on having a satirical story about that one thing. Yeah, I very much enjoyed like the first 30 to 45 minutes of the movie. I thought there was another gear coming. And the problem is it never gets out of first gear. To your point, it's just sophomoric, you know, physical, lowest common denominator comedy. And I like that for a setup, but the story you're telling there's so much left on, you know, on the vine that it, that is not picked by this movie because may, I think it's a perfect time to bring it up. Corporate synergy. We might bounce around a lot, but the thing that I was surprised about is you have brands like Costco, Starbucks, you know, Hardy's, I think Carl's Jr. Carl, yeah, big ass fries. Get your big ass fucking fries. You have all of that in here, and I'm, I was stunned by that, but apparently that's what, and I hate to step on one of your your uh, your segments, Brett, but Box Office, Blue Book, I know this movie made next to nothing because 
I guess the studio saw the movie after it was finished and they were concerned about the amount of product placement that was put in this movie in a negative way. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how, how did it get to that point? I guess this is a different era of Hollywood. How did they make this movie with all those brand tie-ins, but all of them be in such a negative way? I, don't, I mean, I was looking it up. Apparently, the only, they modified the logos of everything in all of the companies they made fun of, with the exception of one. Do you know what company's logo they didn't alter at all? Uh, I thought it was Costco. Fox News. Fox News is apparently the only logo that they did not change for this movie. <laughs> All of the other ones they modified in some small way or, or made a modification to it, with the exception of Fox News. But um, yeah, I thought the it was an interesting shot on, you know, I don't even want to say it's necessarily capitalism, but necessarily like corporations owning the government. And I thought that, that was a great. But again, it's just. By the time they decide, to, like, of course, everybody's wearing, they look like NASCARs, you know, with their, all of their clothes are covered in logos, which was funny. And like the, the fabric that it's made out of and they finally make the shot with title down the yeah. sleeves of the shirts. Yeah. With, with Brondo. Oh, Brondo couldn't, they just bought the government and that way they could say whatever they want. I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty funny. Why? I don't know. It's just a throwaway line that they did that. It's like, okay, that would have been more interesting to kind of dive into that. Um, but yeah, it's just so much of the movie they just focus on on again the oh my balls like bit. I'm like, I honestly I thought the I'm not gonna say that I didn't laugh the first time the dude got racked, and then like that whole bit when they drew it out, and like by the time he's getting hit by, you know, the crane, I'm like, okay, I get it. The whole thing like this is overplayed and like it's not funny anymore. And then they redid the bit throughout the movie, and I'm like, it's not funny anymore because we've already established this isn't funny with how long the gag went the first time we saw it. Like, this is overplayed out. Um, what I what I wanted from this movie, there were my two favorite jokes in the entire movie. Actually, there were probably three, and they all fall in, I think, the same category of kind of like a, a funny thing. One of them I think was probably ad-libbed by um who's the the chick who played uh Rita Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. Yeah. When they talk about Einstein and she goes, and that's when he made that bomb. I'm like, I laughed at that. I'm like, okay, that's funny. My two favorite other jokes in this movie are one of them is super subtle. And it's when he's wearing the nasty t-shirt. And it says it's good, but it's is spelt wrong. It doesn't have it's ITS instead of IT apostrophe S. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like that's really subtle that like they they spelt it's is incorrectly. It's on um, that. But the other thing is like the time machine ride was my favorite joke in the whole movie. When they get on when they get on the time machine and it's like, oh, when Charlie Chaplin and like enlisted the evil nazis and then it's like the dinosaurs it's like it was so funny to me because i'm like oh because they're so dumb they don't actually know what actually history happened like that was the fun like the funniest joke and i wanted more of those types of jokes throughout the entire movie where it's like it's almost one of those like wink wink nudge nudge like hey if you know some history or you have an average level of intelligence like joe did You'll understand why all these things are wrong and why it's funny that they like the future doesn't know what's going on. And even then, like I quote, it's got electrolytes all the time. I think that's probably the most quotable thing from this movie. And I I do quote that all the time. It's got electrolytes. It's got what plants crave. Like that's, again, funny because 
as we know that that's not that plants don't need electrolytes they need water and those are the kinds of jokes i wish they had more of in this movie as opposed to again oh he stuck the thermometer up his butt and now he has to put it in his mouth <laughs> it's like okay well and i think that's the the big problem and why i i chose stand up as a, a five point is because I, I agree. The time machine gag where it's just a uh, like the Disney World ride, you know, going through time. But like you said, this this society is so dumb that they think Charlie Chaplin was the leader of the Nazis. But I think I think that comes too late. Number one. And because I, I feel like the whole Luke Wilson, I know I'm bouncing around here. Luke Wilson is the perfect everyman. Let's get that out of the way. I think what this movie nails is having Luke Wilson play that role. Even his brother, Owen Wilson, would have been too comedic for this movie. He plays the everyman very well, you know, with chaos going around him. I think that's one of the reasons I think old school is a great comedy is because Luke Wilson is playing the straight man. But thinking about how throughout this movie, his whole goal is to go back in time and you know, just go back to 2006 and pick up with his his ordinary life would be preferable. That's a good dramatic beat to play. And this movie does absolutely nothing with it. It's just a couple of jokes with Dak Shepard. You know, hey, you know, I love Bunny. I love Bunny. Um, I think if you again, I wish this movie had tried to actually make a narrative beyond just this feels like a, a, a stand up uh bit by a comedian like hey isn't isn't society dumb like yes but you could have also made this into a a real compelling movie and instead we just opt for toilet humor literally what i thought was interesting about this was mike judge i want to i want to look up real quick what he was coming off of when he came into into idiocracy um Let's see if I can get it in chronological order. I apologize. I should have been more prepared for this. Um, oh, and of course, that's probably why, because IMDb changed everything. So he had done a whole bunch of Beavis and Butthead. I thought he had done King of the Hill. Oh, yeah, at this time, he, he's he had getting done, writer. He had I, I clicked, King of the Hill. I, I clicked director. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, there we go. So he'd done King of the Hill. He had gone... He had done some Beavis and Butthead. He did Extract after this. Here we go. I just feel like this... The whole point I'm trying to get to is this movie felt like it was written like a cartoon. To me. It wasn't written like what you would expect a movie to be in terms of narrative. And I was going to say, I feel like that might make sense depending on what he came off of. But, I mean, he had done some Beavis and Butthead stuff. But for the most part, Office Space was the movie he had done prior to this in terms of actual like writing so i'm not entirely sure what he was doing but the movie just felt very juvenile to me for for some of the stuff he's done because i love silicon valley and it's all the space all of it's very like smartly written and it's just ironic to me that the movie he has about dumb people is the dumbest movie i think he has in his collection well, let let me just say it kind of wraps both of my five points into a bow. 
I wonder because if I were to do a chop shop on this movie, I think what this movie is ultimately missing is a third act because commentary on society now, society is getting dumber and dumber. Like, unfortunately, this movie, while satirical, feels a little bit like reality. But the thing is, what we don't see in this movie is what is who is Big Brother? Because ultimately, there is somebody smart enough to keep society going to the level mm -hmm. that it is in this movie. Who, who is benefiting from dumbing down society? That's what this movie is missing. So if I were to chop this movie, the third act is going to be, you know, Camacho is the president, but he's not really in control. Who is actually in control? Who is benefiting from society being stupid and not being able to place, you know, a, a square peg into a round hole? The movie completely punts on that. And and I don't know if Mike Judge ever had the intent to try to make a, a little more serious movie with, you know, some commentary in the third act. Uh but this movie just kind of ends, and like you said, it, it never becomes more than just a Beavis and Butthead episode. Yeah, and to me, even to your point, like if you don't want to go the route of who's controlling it, and it really is just supposed to be a commentary on like people are dumb, they're not thinking. First off, you have to get to that point where it's like, again, what is the call to action here when the, the end of the movie is Joe doesn't go back in time, he just becomes president. So he's average Joe as the president, but he hasn't solved anything because the even the movie makes a point that oh he had three children at the end with Rita, but you know uh, Frito had what sixteen kids with eight women. I'm like so they didn't solve the problem that they opened the entire movie with even in in the end of the movie. I'm like to me have him wake up from a dream like have him drooling where he was watching the television like oh shit I got like God that was crazy like maybe I do need to get my life together or something like that where it's like. Okay, we don't have to do the whole big brother, somebody is controlling all this. Because to your point, like, how does society function if they can't even, like, if you put a bunch of monkeys in a room, they're going to be able to figure out how to get the round peg in the round hole, right? So it's just, like, it's weird to me that that's where you go. But, like, they're able to function or, like, oh, the robots have taken over. And they kind of did that with the vending machine type. But it's, like, at a certain point, it's, like, oh, it's so automated that people have become dumb. And to your point, you brought up the, the Carl's Jr. vending machine. They end up... You know, the, the woman that, it, you know, she wants her big ass fries, her big ass fries, and she doesn't get them. And she points that out to the machine. And that scene ends with her being gassed with something to make her comply. And I'm like, so this society is that stupid. And yet you've developed a gas that can keep people under control. Well, beyond that trust, do you remember how the rest of that scene continues? Because she gets gassed, then the vending machine goes, you're a terrible mother, you can't provide food for your family, Carl's Jr. is now taking your kids. That's how that scene ends. Right, and I, I feel like that is a, they are going for some sort of high-level commentary on corporate control, but... They, they, they always pull their punches, and I wouldn't even call it pull their punches, they just drop those thread lines they drop that plot it, it doesn't function as a real movie mm -hmm. yeah it, it is just a series of, of related sketches yes yeah, yes like yeah just kind of loosely thrown together um yeah it just it's like that's what's so strange about this movie is again i and even to the point how did it 
it get made. Like if somebody reads the script, I feel like you read the script and realize that there's stuff missing from it. And that might lead into, you know, budgetary constraints. Uh, well, before I get into that, I do want to make one thing. Do you, what's crazy is if this movie was made today or even had been like today, how much influencers would wind up being a plot point of the movie? Because this was in 2006 before YouTube had ever really, had really taken off. Instagram's not around. Facebook maybe is starting to make the rounds in college, hasn't become a mass thing. So like social media didn't even exist when this movie was made. And it's almost to the point where like, I would love to see Mike Judge get to do his Terminator 2, you know, where he gets to go, whether it's a sequel or he gets to make the original idiocracy that he wanted to make now that it's got some money behind it. And that's where we'll lead into vegetarian constraints because I'm just wondering we'll get into blue book but like this movie did not have a large budget like it feels like this was a passion project from mike judge and because he had a little bit of weight with office space and some of his you know beavis and butthead king of the hill someone threw him a bone and said like okay we'll give you this amount of money and you you can make if you can make the money on that you you could do it because there's so many weird decisions to me um from a from a directorial standpoint where the really shitty cgi I just don't understand why you wouldn't do something a little bit more artistic. I'm like, why not make it almost like when that comes up, they're almost like paper dolls because the people are so dumb. You're using like you could have dueling narrators where you have the real narrator what's telling you and then the dumb narrator from the future who's basically narrating it. So then you can do these really lo-fi graphic type things where it makes sense. Like it's like, oh, they're describing it. And it's like these paper cutouts that are like almost like old school, you know, uh, South Park, how South Park started with paper being moved around where it's like it's crude because the commentator is so crude that you don't have to worry about trying to supplement that with any level of CGI. And to me, it's just it would have made it a more interesting movie. Maybe dare I say a little more towards the art house side. But I think you could lean into how dumb things were by still and allow it to be a smarter movie. Uh, I definitely agree with you. I definitely see the logic in that. But the problem is. You're you're putting upon Mike Judge. Mike Judge is is a writer. He's not a director. I know he directed this movie, but he's he's not a visionary. Um, The problem is he that's why he's best with TV. You know, if you want to go low budget Beavis and Butthead. But to your point, Silicon Valley Excellent show, hilarious show. It it lampoons America much in the same way that this movie does. But he's more suited to television because he doesn't. And and this is no shade to Mike Judge. I mean, what he's accomplished writing wise, chef's kiss. I I love King of the Hill. I love Beavis and Butthead as a kid. Office Space is a bona fide classic, but he doesn't have any sort of eye for the visual. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think he would probably be better suited ultimately to just be the writer. Like if you imagine if you brought in Wes Anderson to direct what (laughs) Mike Judge writes, then you're talking about something like Isle of Dogs or the Royal Tenenbaums where there's a a certain visual flair. I would love for that to be the case, but you know, Mike Judge is talented enough as a writer where I can understand why he doesn't want to bring anybody else in to help with the visuals, but it, 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 it would benefit him in all of his his directorial efforts. Yeah, because to me, that was also some of like you can just even in 2006, the graphic most graphic. I'm like, you can just tell how 
cheap the movie is. And unfortunately, that does start to kind of take apart from it because you start to get distracted by how awful some of the visuals are. It's like, but then again, the 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 costumes or the outfits or whatever you want to say that the the citizens of you know Earth in twenty five oh five are wearing, like that's clever and interesting the way it's like it's all supplemented shirts with logos just plastered all over them like that's an interesting kind of gag and visual i but then you put in like the really weird shitty cgi like the monster trucks and stuff like that where it's just like i don't understand when you write this in why if you know what your constraints are going to be why would you make a scene where you know you need two ridiculous looking monster trucks that you're going to have to like get cheap cgi for yeah, and I'm even thinking about the scene where Luke Wilson's character realizes that he's actually in the future, and we cut to a view of the outside world where cars are just driving off of a, an mm-hmm. interstate. I'm like, you, as shitty as that looks, I'm sure it cost a good deal of money to do that, and there were so many better ways that you could have been a little more subtle and, and you don't need to throw in that visual because comedically it does nothing for the movie. Uh, but to the detriment of the movie, to your point, it makes it look cheap. It it, it distracts you from everything that's going on. Well, because it, it almost looks like a painted set, like an old school painted set, like the background did. And then it looks like a toy car going off. So almost like, you know, where I'm talking about, like, if you're going to do that, lean into it. Make it to where it is really over the top, like supposed to look cheap because, again, you're using a narrator. You're using something. There's a reason it looks this shitty, you know, as opposed to just like, ah, that's that's how much money we had when we made the movie. You know, so we were just happy to get something out the door type situation. Yeah, if you're not actually going to try to make a movie with three acts and some sort of drama in the third act... Just go ahead and lean in, lean, in, lean into the parody side of it. Uh, like you said, just have a second narrator like, hey, we're making a movie documenting. But, you know, what? what is uh, Luke Wilson's character's name technically in this movie? I know Joe, it's Joe. But Joe Bowers. In, but in the world, what is it? What is his name that he gets tattooed on him? By oh, accident? not sure. Not sure. Yeah. Tell the story of not sure through like a documentarian of this time. And then that way, all the shitty CGI, like you said, makes sense. Like that's another level of the gag. Mm-hmm. That was also a funny gag too. Like I enjoyed that with the whole not sure and the, the machine going back at him. So I don't want to say that my, the, my three favorite jokes were the only joke. I did laugh throughout, you know, and chuckle throughout the movie. I I was like, my wife is sitting there next to me. She goes, what the fuck are we watching? And I'm like, this, it's idiocracy. I'm like, admittedly, the only time I've, and we're about to get into our fifth point here. The only time I have seen this movie, I swear to God, I thought he went back in time. Um, I saw this on Comedy Central and syndication. Needless to say, now watching <laughs> it for real, there's some language stuff that should probably be, <laughs> that we're going to be talking about here with language barrier slash commentary. I mean, this is one of the few that we've talked about this on the show before. When me and Travis do our our pre stuff, we send each other the five point inspection um, subjects. This was one where I realized that we were going to have some overlap and did a little bit of discussion before, um, so we knew uh, what was going into this one. So let's just get into it. So <laughs> they they use a hard N, a hard F, and a hard R uh, in in this movie. 
real quick, I don't I don't want to put you on the spot here, but when was the hard in? Did I miss that? It's very subtle. Okay, it's AS, not ERS, but it is when the the military guy who wants to be a pimp, he's walking in and as the two are getting are sitting in the things, he goes, What's up, my and it's like Oh, gotcha. okay. okay. We're going to go ahead and drop that here. All right. So, yeah, he definitely drops it. <laughs> and and real quick, I, I will say that was my funniest bit of the movie is the, <laughs> the army general that falls in love with the pimp lifestyle and uh-huh. going through the, the slideshow. Just the it played that perfect element of it's funny. Oh, wow. This is going long. Oh, they're going to keep going. So it's even funnier. And then when he gets arrested while he's checking out his gold tooth, I thought that was that was the only moment that I truly laughed out loud in the movie. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so I'll say this is my question for you, Travis, is. Was Mike Judge doing some do you think obviously we don't have him on the show we can't ask him or anything like that but do you think there was commentary being done with how much they were throwing around you know uh, you know faggy and retard in in this movie or was it just mike judge trying to get away with the fact of he was doing a sophomoric film so let's throw that word out there as much as possible because they use it a lot and i'm like are we trying to make because we bring up the whole thing like oh Language in the future, it basically is, is, you know, the four, you know, lowest forms. It's Valley Girl, Redneck, Urban Core, and then I forget what the, the fourth one was. But basically, like, all of it slang and stuff like that is basically what language is devolved down into. And I'm like, are they trying to make a commentary? About, I, I don't know. I just It was interesting how much they chose to use those words. I go back to our review of Superbad. Um, I think it's I think it's used in the same way that it was used in Superbad, the same intention, which is to show you that this movie is all about the worst people of society are the ones who are going to ultimately dominate society. And I think that it's used in a way to to point that fact out, like much of the way that Superbad was everybody, not everybody's high school story, but for some people their high school story was being picked on with certain language. I I think this movie's intention is good in the way that it uses it. Uh, Long story short, I think it's very intentional. I think it's kind of just to show that ultimately the bad guys won is the easiest way I can say it, which kind of unfortunately feels like the way society is going. So I don't actually have a problem with the way that it's used in this movie. I wish it was, in a better movie that had actually gone all the way, but I think the intention is good. What What about you? I thought the same thing. I think my only, my comment was it might've gone a little over the top to the point where it's like, at, I think there's a line where people realize it's the, the, there's a joke there. And then there's a line where people start to find acceptance. And I think you have to be very careful. And I think this movie starts to toe that line where it's like, okay, we, we've made the point that the language shouldn't be used that way and it's not right. Now we're really, it's almost like, again, the oh my balls joke where it's like, we're starting to do it a little too much now. Like, I, th- I think 
there was definitely definitely for me a point where I'm like, okay, I think it's time to pull this back a little bit. Like, I'm glad they didn't go too much further with it, or it would have been one of those like, okay, I just think they enjoyed saying these, you know, putting being able to put this into a script type thing. So, yeah, I I think it got right up to that line for me where it was like, okay, is this commentary or is this just misuse? Yeah, and I think that goes back to what I was saying. You feel like this movie should hit a different gear and it never really does. So it kind of the first and second act jokes, they just kind of just lean on them over and over again without changing the narrative, for lack of a better term. Um, and again, I, I just wonder, I, I'd like to think that Mike Judge had a better movie in mind and maybe... The studio just reined him in. But the fact that he was able to get away with putting Costco and Starbucks and all these other movies, it makes me feel like he. There were no studio notes until the movie was turned in. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm like, uh, I give a little bit <laughs> of pause, but I, I yeah, I, I like to think that it, it had good intent with the language. Well, I guess we can say this. I guess it's good it's not made today and under Warner Brothers Discovery's banner because it is. They would have just crushed it regardless if it was done or not. <laughs> this oh, is God, a movie yes. I don't think would have been released had Warner Brothers and Discovery made it today. Yeah, once this final cut was turned in, this is actually this is going to be a, a, a tax cut, uh, a savings <laughs> for Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're good there, I think we can move into another segment. So let's uh, let's go ahead and do a little bit of blue book here. Um, so I know I don't know what exactly you looked up. Uh, I will say some of the trivia I had for this. Apparently, this movie was only released in six markets because Fox was scared of how because of the depiction and how exactly it was going to be received. So it did have a very very small market. I will tell you that the sticker price of this here flick was a mere two. Point four million dollars not a whole lot for a movie yeah which kudos i mean i know the cgi is is shit in this movie but for 2.4 million dollars i feel like they did a good job what do you think this movie brought in five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> so you looked it up it was an accident but yes i did yeah about Worldwide was about five hundred. U.S. and Canada was four hundred forty-four thousand dollars, and then yeah, the uh, the world market only brought in at about another fifty thousand, bringing it up to to right at five hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, this movie theatrically did nothing, which was but in, by that was intent. on purpose. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I don't know how that winds up, but you know, you put that in the books where it's one of those like, yeah, we intentionally bombed this movie. Is that for tax? But at least they released the damn thing type situation but uh yeah the movie but as you said i mean it's a cult classic i mean people if you go to target or anything like that there's constantly on the five dollar dvd bin like it's one of those movies it's just always there because they expect someone to grab it and buy it yeah so. it, it kind of surprised me i i know we had some level of difficulty of, of finding this movie streaming not not like a lot of others but it surprises me that this movie is not completely buried i don't know if that's because mike judge is still a working you know artist and you know has produced quality content in like the last five years but this feels like a movie that you know corporate america would like to just forget about 
Well, I think that's what it comes back down to is, you know, it 2006, 2007, 2008, that time, Comedy Central was still doing well. The, you know, internet and streaming hadn't really taken over. That's the first time I ever saw this was on Comedy Central and syndication. And I think you have a certain subset of people that watch this movie there and have an attachment to it. So it's one of those, you can't really get rid of it because too many people know about it and want to share it. Like, oh, let's watch Idiocracy. But I do think it's funny is when I was searching for it first, you know, typically when we do research to find these movies, you type in the movie title and then streaming. One of the first like three or four results was Disney Plus that popped up because Disney owns Fox now. So, of course, I clicked on it. It pulls me to the Disney Plus app and immediately just basically goes, this isn't available in your region. So I'm like, oh, what region is this available on Disney Plus? I want to know that because this is a hard R movie. So I would love to. Usually they put all that stuff into Hulu. So, um, but yeah, I just, it is very interesting to me. I I would really love, and I might be jumping the gun because it's probably more commentary for the end, but I would love to see Mike Judge take another stab at this movie with some money behind it, you know? Especially seeing what he did with Silicon Valley. But maybe Silicon Valley was essentially like, it's more geared towards tech, but he essentially did, he still got to do what he wanted with, with Silicon Valley. Yeah, I feel like th- going back to our Shane Black trilogy, this kind of movie along with Office Space led him to doing Silicon Valley. So um, I, I'll, full disclosure, I've never watched Silicon Valley. I've, I've heard great things, but I, I feel like that's the natural evolution of Mike Judge. I will say the season one finale of Silicon Valley has, I think, maybe one of, if not the funniest moment in, in television history. There is a, there is a whole gag, that, and I'm not going to tell you anything about it because I don't want to lead you into what it is. There's and when you talk to people that have watched Silicon Valley, they know exactly what you're talking about, and they like it is, it is fucking hysterical what they go into. I love that you say silicone as as if it's the breast implant valley, not silicon. I honestly say it both ways, so it, it's kind of like caramel and caramel. It really just depends on the conversation. <laughs> not to say that one that I'm saying it right when I say it the other way, but uh, you know, just merely a statement there. It's, I do words good. I could lead 2025. All right, 202505. I didn't even get that right. Um, all right. So tag and title. All right, so before we get in to to tag, I do have some alternate titles for this this week. So with, usually when it's uh, like something like idiocracy, I'll look it up because I'm like, that's a made-up word. Like, what would other countries do it? A n- remarkable number of them did have a translation to idiocracy, but three that I thought were interesting that did not were, I can always depend on Japan to have an alternate title. Uh, Japan, theirs was 26th century youth. Portugal had Land of the Idiots, and Hungary was A Fool's Paradise. So, I mean, not bad. Alternate titles. Again, idiocracy is a made-up word, so it's like, what is? How's, how are you going to translate that? Yeah, I like the last two. They feel mm-hmm. even more apt than the actual title of the movie. Yes. So... Apparently, one of the original titles for the movie they were working was possibly like United States of America or yeah, but didn't they they went with idiocracy. So 
let's get into some some alter or some taglines. So Travis, I'm gonna give you three taglines. One is an official tagline for this movie. One is a tagline for a movie I found adjacent. Kind of. And one is a tagline I created myself. What I need you to do is tell me the official tagline for 2006's Idiocracy. Are you ready? I'm going to try to redeem myself. Yes, I'm ready. Okay. The future is a no-brainer. Smartification of the 25th, 25th century and time runs out. I'm going to say time runs out is the Justin Timberlake uh, movie in time. Okay. Great premise. Terrible movie. Um, the second one I'm going to say is an actual tagline for the movie. Context clues. You stumbled over it, which leads me to believe you didn't write it. The first one tried and true my tradition. It's the best one, which means I think you created it, which just, I want to hear it in my ears one more time. Give me the first one. The future is a no brainer. Yeah, that's you. That's you. That's too good. So I'm confident. Lock that in. All right. You got one of them, right? You got the adjacent. I got so the, the adjacent. You got the adjacent. You didn't Holy get the movie right, but. But the adjacent. Oh, fuck. So okay. Mike, Mike Judge, I mean, I'm sure he came up with the tagline for this. I would expect nothing. I mean, the man's a writer. I also thought it was a fantastic. The alternate for this one was in the future, intelligence is extinct. I thought that would be a dick move because you would immediately think it was a dinosaur movie. So I wasn't, you know, I left that one off the table. Um, the reason I stumbled on it is because I tried to get cute with it. And it's smartification of the 25th century. So it should be 20 first 25th sorry it should be smartification of the 25th century i made 25th because i was trying to make out like they didn't know what the ending was of 25th so if you saw it written it would make more sense trying to say that out loud not not easy so but yeah sorry sir you came close i like where your, yeah, I, your head I, was at. i was so confident in the end time the future is a no-brainer is good oh you didn't i didn't tell you what it was time runs out as tenet 2020's tenet uh okay okay which yeah, i it's have a not movie. seen yeah you don't need to listen here's the thing it's a it's a typical christopher nolan movie um it is a strange plot with an excuse for beautiful visuals so if you go into the movie not giving a fucking care in the world about the plot and what's actually going on in the movie you can enjoy it because there's some fun visuals as that like things are having to travel forward and backwards at the same time but honestly a lot of times i feel like it is just he comes up with an idea because he wants to shoot cool shit and i'm like i can respect that but let's not try and pretend that christopher nolan writes really amazing crazy deep stories you know i love inception but at the end of the day it's just a heist movie but it's a fucking dope heist movie so yeah, that's why I would still give Tenet a chance, and yet I, I I still haven't watched it. Just the the forwards and backwards through time. I said it's cool to watch, 
at a certain, it's one of those movies, almost like Looper, where at a certain point they're just like, "Oh, don't like." They basically wink at the audience, like, "Don't worry, you don't need to understand how it works." Wink, and it's like, "Oh, because you can't fucking explain how it works. I just have to assume that it, it, yeah." Suspension of disbelief here. Thanks. Yeah, I don't want to go too far off the reservation, but even Looper, though the the core concept still makes sense. Whereas. Mm-hmm. From what I understand about Tenet, it's like, hey, this bullet will enter someone's head or exit someone's head in reverse. It, it, it's it's too much. I yeah. Yeah, it, we'll leave it at that. I, I'll still see Oppenheimer because I'm I'm a history nerd and it's Christopher Nolan. But this is the make or break for Christopher Nolan for me. That's the one where Einstein creates the bomb, right? Creates the bomb. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, all right, you got a time cap for us this week? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's technically a time capsule, but the uh, the big, again, the third act of this movie, I was so disappointed. I thought they were going to try to do more. It just ends in some monster truck Thunderdome. But the, the main villain who cannot get his truck into the arena and then later. Beef Supreme? Uh, yeah, Beef Supreme. There you go. Do you know who Beef Supreme was? Uh, no, who is Beef Supreme? He is uh, apparently the third Wilson brother. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, which uh, apparently he, I, I guess he just does not have the acting chops of Owen or Luke, but he pops up periodically in some of their movies in more of a bit part. Uh, so I, I thought it was kind of cool that, that they, they they brought in the third Wilson brother. I was kind of disappointed that, that Owen did not show up in this movie at any point. I thought for sure he was going to make some sort of cameo. So knowing that, Travis, all I want is a movie where it's the Hemsworth brothers versus the, the oh, Wilson brothers. Oh, oh, oh. That Why has that not been pitched in Hollywood yet? Because all of those guys would love to do a comedy. You know all of them would be in for a com- That would be an amazing comedy where it was just <laughs> those three versus those three. <laughs> And I feel like you could, you could do it very meta-centric because I feel like... <laughs> Across both families, there's one brother that just feels, at least in his head, that he's criminally underused, you know, because mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth obviously is is the big star of the Hemsworth family. But uh, who's it? Liam. Liam is a solid, you know, he's a name. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the last one that was on Westworld, who I, I, I literally can't tell you his name. I couldn't either. But even to his, I mean, look, did you hear it? Liam is, I think, supposed to be taking over uh, The Witcher from uh, uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Yeah. I think you mean Cavalier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, for Henry Cavill. Uh, yeah. God damn, Brett. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's an untapped well. We might have to just cut that out of the episode because I, <laughs> I feel like we could pitch that to the Hemsworth and Wilson brothers. I make something happen there. And I mean, I honestly, even... I feel like Mike Judge could be, you know, the creative driver behind it, you know, a, a meta Hollywood, you know. What what happens when you're the third most successful brother of a, a Hollywood acting dynasty? <laughs> Hombres trece. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Know. I just want. I just want the movie. I don't. It, and I want it to be good. So, uh, no. That's. I did not realize that Beef Supreme was a Wilson brother. Yep. Yep. 
the least successful Wilson brother in terms of Hollywood success. Travis, before we started this episode, I told you I was going to throw you a curveball, but I wasn't going to tell you what that curveball uh, was. Oh, Jesus. It's still lingering out here. Okay. Travis, we're going to enter into a new segment. Are you ready to check your alignment? Not really, if I'm honest. So, Travis, what I want to do, I'm trying to bring back a little bit of uh, when we used to do our our wrap-ups, our trilogy wrap-ups. We would look at our IMDb scores. We would, we would try and rank it, right? We thought the three movies, how they ranked. What I want you to do is I want you to tell me where you would put this percentage-wise. You know, you can go one through ten, however you want to do it, break it down. What you would put this movie at, and then we I want to check it against the critics and the audiences of how they received this movie. So give me a give me a score one to ten. Uh, six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. Where do you think critics landed on this movie? Do you think you were above or below them? I think I'm going to be slightly above. I if okay. I had to on the ten scale, I would say critics would give it a five out of ten. This movie is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, hovering at a 71% or what I would bring at a 7 out of 10. Do you want to guess what the the audience is? I think the audience score, again, because I, I, I think a certain level of the population would just avoid this movie. So I'll say... Seven out of ten for an audience score. Audience was a six out of ten. Sixty percent. So there's your alignment, Travis. You are aligned more so with the audience than you are the critics on this one. I too I would, would just put it. I put it at, just, at a six out of ten too. <clears throat> it, the scene with the, in the trailer park where there's like a domestic dispute because. Uh, oh God! What was the character's name that started this movie? That oh, the shit. family tree. I can't remember his name, but I was curious if anybody watching this movie would be triggered by that. Like, wait, hey, that's my life. I, I live in a trailer, and I knocked up the neighbor, and my baby mama's going after me with a frying pan. But see, that's the thing again, where I talk about I don't know who the audience for this movie is because all of the slapstick comedy to me caters towards. That group. And again, I say I enjoyed the slapstick. I just thought if you're making a satirical movie, you typically don't choose slapstick as your genre to do a satire. You know, would I I just, I just it's so weird to me. Yeah, to your point, would they be triggered and all that or would they think it's funny? Like is is it one of those things where, you know, God, this is gonna sound elitist and I don't mean it to, but like are people in trailer parks self aware that like that's a joke that, you know, they knocked up the neighboring, you know, mobile home you know I, I i don't know yeah like i thought my girlfriend was on the pill but really it was my my mistress in the, in the trailer next door um mm -hmm. uh, but yeah i i like you said i think we've had that conversation when we reviewed don't look up like the audience that needs to see this movie and will enjoy it 
you're preaching to the choir. The, the people who mm-hmm. need to see it aren't, aren't going to watch it because they're watching people get kicked in the balls. Oh, my balls. Oh, my balls. I love your work. Like, I, I don't think Dak Shepard is a particularly funny person, a, a particularly good actor, but the scene where, you know, Joe's, you know, time capsule falls into his apartment and he just cannot be bothered. He's just like, I already answered you. Go away. It it felt depressingly (laughs) realistic. My favorite scene with Dak Shepard is when uh, Joe comes back after he escapes prison, comes back to the apartment and and Frito is about to masturbate and Joe walks in. And then at a certain point, halfway through the conversation, Frito just drops his pants again like he's about to just do it anyway. And I'm just like, oh, he's <laughs> he's not done. He's, he, he's like mid-motion. He wasn't going to stop. And it's like, oh, and then finally it's like, oh, no, I guess we're going to have to escape together. I'm like, oh, I the, I just I thought it was funny that just like mid-conversation he drops his pants and sits back down in the chair. Uh, I, I'm baiting. I'm baiting. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I uh, at the end of the day... I guess you know we kind of gave it a rating there. I, would you recommend them? I I guess we could do Chop Shot. Do you have anything for Chop? I think we kind of discussed a lot of what we would have changed about this movie. But do you have anything? Do you want to summarize your notes for a Chop Shop here? Yeah, my, my Chop again. This movie just feels like like you said a, a series of skits, a series of a couple different stand up acts. I wish in the third act they had tried to take it a little bit more seriously, have a dramatic arc like. Who is behind the dumbing down of society? Who does it benefit for society to be dumb? Uh, but this movie obviously didn't want to touch that. I I give it credit for lampooning things like Costco and Starbucks. Um, I don't yeah, think I we just, have time for a hand job. Did, did I just did well, I just take your last yeah, line? I had my uh, going away line ready, but you, you went ahead and ruined that, Brett. So go ahead and uh, what what did you think of the movie? Final thoughts while I try to fucking find another line to read. You son of a bitch. I love when I inadvertently ruin a segment for you. Um, <laughs> I think my chop would be... I, I, I would love to have done more with the commentator. Like I said, I think I, I talked about if you had had dueling commentators or something like that, that would have been kind of fun to see what was going on when you have almost your 2005 commentator and your 2505 commentator where they're, you know, explaining what's going on and you kind of get that. I wish there had been some some more intelligent jokes. I, I wish they hadn't leaned so much into the slapstick. I think a lot of the movie things don't necessarily feel earned, like at the end where Rita and him wind up married and having kids i'm like that came out of no it was just like let's just wrap this up with a bow like you almost again like you would a cartoon it's like there wasn't really any chemistry between them i think joe for being an average person i thought it was interesting that at no point did he realize that rita was a prostitute and just constantly kept thinking that she was a painter i'm like at a certain point if he is average he should be putting together the pieces that she is a prostitute um so yeah, I thought that was that was kind of interesting. Like I said, it just doesn't wind up being earned at the end. And I really thought it was either he needs to travel back in time, he wakes up or something like that. Because at the end, you have, I guess, the character arc because Joe decides to, you know, lead instead of follow or get out of the way. But 
as the audience, I didn't have our like again. What was the what was at the end? What was the message I was supposed to be walking away with? Go have kids or because again, the movie ends the exact way it begins with the the smartest people having fewer kids than the, the dumber people. So I just I don't know. I don't like I said. I think the movie was both too clever and not clever enough for itself. So that's those are what I would have liked to have, you know interjected into it so yeah it feels like it wants to end on a nihilistic note which i am the prime grade a audience for nihilistic endings uh but if you're gonna be nihilistic and do it with a shitty joke just have joe get killed at the arena when he says hey why why do you want to kill somebody who's actually the one person trying to help you just kill him and end the movie if you really want to be dark just go ahead and do that or but this movie wants to have him die from like cholera because someone gave him toilet water when he asked for like at the end he someone gives him water and they've made the toilet water joke the entire movie have him die from from toilet water yeah this this movie kind of just wants to have its cake and eat it too it wants to be nihilistic it wants to be a satire and, and skewer america but it just again it just feels like a stand-up bit that we're like hey we've got to end the movie so Let's go out on one last joke, which is, hey, none of this matters. Yeah. So, well, that about sums it up for me. Would you recommend anybody watch the movie? Do you think it's worth checking out or? Uh, if I'm honest, no, because I think lampooning America, he already did a better job with Office Space because at least Office Space has a complete narrative uh, if you want to go more modern, just watch Silicon Valley. I don't, I guess if you want to have like some, you know, uh, make the electrolytes joke around the office, you have to see the movie, but I don't feel like this is essential in any way. Yeah. I was like, if you want the context for the electrolytes joke, you can watch it. I don't even think you need to watch it to get that. I mean, just, I mean, you can probably pick up on a lot of context clues and stuff like that when somebody says, but it's got electrolytes or does it have electrolytes? It's, it's what plants crave. Yeah, it's what plants crave. But what are electrolytes? Do you have do you have a sign off for us? Do you have any final words? Welcome to Costco. I love you. I uh, I now shop at Costco, so I felt like such a piece of shit watching this movie. But Costco's awesome. Not gonna lie. Where buying in bulk is your god given right? Do you know what movie that's from? Thank you for smoking. Mm -mm. Oh, we should do thank you for smoking sometime. Uh, what's the one with Dane Cook? Oh God, employee of the month. Employee of the Mo I was never gonna come up with that title. Yeah, employee of the month. Also, Dak Shepard. Uh, Brett, <laughs> I, I want to tell you, I used to think that that movie was a decent comedy. I've watched it within the last year. That's, if you, try to watch that and get through 30 minutes, Brett. I, I defy you to try to get through 30 minutes of that movie. Like, I, I cannot believe Dane Cook was a superstar at one point. Yeah. I, he did Good Luck Chuck. He had a couple movies at one yeah. point. Like he, was, he was some odd shit at one point.
Yeah, there it is. Dan in real life, employee of the month, my best friend's girl, good luck, Chuck. Of those four movies, which one do you think was rated the highest? I'll give you a hint. It has a 6.8 on IMDb. Good luck, Chuck. Dan in real life. Good luck, Chuck is hovering at a 5.6. Dan in real life, though, wasn't that also, was that Steve Carell? Yeah, it's Steve Carell. He wasn't even the main character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steve Carell was carrying that rating. So good luck, Chuck, 5-6. My best friend's girl, 5-8. Employee of the month, 5-5. Five, five. He likes to hover, right? He's your average Joe. <laughs> Dude, employee of the month, I... Good God, that movie was awful. I, the only thing I remember is... We're buying in bulk because you've got to give right. The shoes and Dak Shepard, he was skipping items. That's how he was winning. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> things I remember about that fucking movie. The only I thing I remember... I could tell you another thing. Going into it is they had like the cool little clubhouse up in the shelves. Mm-hmm. Like they like they had hollowed out some of the uh the, the the stock there and they had like a little break room of their own. That's all I remember. I think the only reason I like that movie is because I equated it to a uh, random movie theater in America. Thank you for listening oh, to us we're ramble. Still recording? Oh fuck yeah. And oh, yes, Jesus that's Christ, absolutely yeah. gonna make it into a post show or maybe even just in line. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. Have a great night, everybody. Now, my opening, my opening is supposed to sound dumb. We'll see if I <laughs> it's even worse with me trying to read it or not. But uh, just so you know, like, yeah, we'll half see valley girl, half urban slang, a <laughs> little bit of redneck. Hello and welcome, Hollywood Chop Shop. Hosts, we are Brett Mosher and Travis Santana. Today we'll be reviewing part three of our political theater trilogy with 26... I actually just really fucked that up. I'm going to start it. I, I joked about this, but I'm going to take it from the top. You're a character actor. You know, you got to get in. You, you're mm-hmm. a method actor. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a method. Yeah. That was about, actually supposed to sound like a like a dumb dumb. Yeah, no, I love thinking about the fact that maybe this is somebody's first listen to the Hollywood Chop Shop, and they're like, "What kind of uh, R word is Brett Mosher?" <laughs> Good. Yeah, make sure you bleep out that. You got it. I'm not gonna bleep that one out though, and I'll put it at the end. So. Nobody listens that far anyway. It's fine. It's true. Uh.